On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, as ACDC once said it best, we salute you. We're talking the birth of a new NBA and college hoop season, the final tosses of the Fall Classic, NFL Mania in midseason, plus college football. We welcome Daniel Court, who brings his expertise on the wide world of golf and local gridiron action in the postseason. As the holiday season heats up and the weather cools down, we give salutations to the sports and people who make it all possible. This is so much more on the Marcus Wall Show, starting right now. Clear the mechanism. South Carolina high school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome into the Marcus Walsh Show on this Thursday. Yeah, that's right. At the Batcave, Kevin's got the week off, so we are here. And, uh, and ready for action. <clears throat> uh, pardon a couple of voice cracks or whatnot. I'm about 90% today. And uh, look, looking forward to today. We're going to have Daniel Court on here in a little bit to talk some high school gridiron recap. As well as the world of live and PGA. He's a big time golf fan and, uh, and a fellow broadcaster of the sport as well. He also played... Pardon me, there's another voice crack. He also played at Furman uh, after his football career ended there. Um, he played both football and golf at Furman, so he's, he's been around the sport a long time. So we will talk with him about that. Have a whole lot to get to on the edition of the show today. Want to start off with some craziness. Some, some people think it's definite craziness. But talking about what's going on with the college football playoff, they had their first rankings there in Dallas uh, the other day, and the top 25 is looking quite interesting at the moment. Things are looking very, very good for the sport of college football as we just get into the, the throes of it, trying to find the rankings for the top 25. Here we go. And it looks like this. The college football playoff rankings. Tennessee, the Volunteers, number one. Ohio State, number two. Georgia, number three. Clemson, number four. Michigan, five. And Alabama, six. Alabama, the only team of the top six with a loss at seven and one. TCU at 8-0 at 7, Oregon at 7-1 at 8, USC 7-1 at 9, LSU 6-2 at 10, Mississippi 8-1 at 11, UCLA 7-1 at 12, Kansas State 6-2 at 13, Utah 6-2 at 14, Penn State 6-2 at 15, Illinois number 16 at 7-1. Oh, by the way, Ohio State was number 16 in the first ever rankings of the college football playoff in 2014-15, the first year of its existence. They ended up winning the whole thing. Not saying it's going to happen, but there's a chance. North Carolina 17 at 7 and 1. Oklahoma State 18 at 6 and 2. Tulane at 19, 7 and 1. 6 and 2 for each Syracuse, Wake, NC State, and Oregon State to round it out to the top 23. And then 5 and 3 are the Texas Longhorns. And 6 and 2 are the Golden Knights of UCF 
to round out the top 25. The AP top 25 have Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Mississippi, Utah, Kansas State, Illinois, LSU, Penn State, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Tulane, Wake Forest, NC State, Syracuse, Liberty at 7-1, Oregon State 6-2, UCF 6-2. I didn't go through the entire uh, records for those teams because the plethora of those teams were mentioned in the aforementioned college football playoff rankings. And then also you have the AFCA, the AFCA, which uh, I won't mention. You also have the FCS coaches poll. But I want to focus on something that is quite interesting, and that is the fact that in our top 12 of the college football playoff, because we will see a 12-team playoff here soon, your 12th team is UCLA. So... The top four get buys for the 12-team scenario. And then you would have Michigan taking on UCLA, Alabama taking on Ole Miss, TCU taking on UCLA, Oregon taking on, uh, let's see, do I have that right? TCU taking on, I'm sorry, I didn't mean UCLA. TCU taking on LSU, I misspoke. And then Oregon taking on USC. So that's the way it looks for the top 12. Again, with Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson getting buys. Looks pretty interesting. If there was a year to have a scenario where you've got a 12-game playoff, a 12-team playoff, this would be an interesting year to have it. The way it stands out right now, you've got with the four teams and the four-team playoff. You've got Tennessee taking on UGA on Saturday. You also have number 6 Alabama, who is just outside looking in, taking on number 10 LSU. The other two teams, Ohio State has Northwestern. That's going to be a win. And Clemson has Notre Dame on the road at South Bend. It's going to get really interesting. You also have Michigan in the mix. And look out... TC, uh, rather, Oregon and USC in UCLA as well are going to be battling things out. You're going to have a Pac-12 champion out of one of those three teams, it looks like. I think my money at the moment is probably on either Oregon or USC. Um, I don't know if Ole Miss can knock off LSU or Alabama out of the SEC West, but the team that I didn't mention that is leading the way in the Big 12 at the moment and could really put a wrinkle into this thing is TCU. They are 8-0, and and they are playing really good football. It's just we're about a little bit past the midway point of the college football season, and there is so much intrigue of what could happen. Kansas State going past the, the top 12, uh, Kansas State, 6-2, and two, has played well in some big games. Utah has struggled a little bit down the stretch, as has Penn State. Illinois, 7-1, and one, and I go to the top 16 again because of the fact that Ohio State was number 16 in the first-ever rankings of the playoff back in 2014-15. They ended up, again, winning it all over Oregon. 
uh, beating <clears throat> excuse me beating Alabama to get there to face Oregon. Oregon knocked off Jameis Winston's Florida State Seminoles to get there that year as well. That was the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl that season. So just a lot of really interesting stuff. Obviously, too, even though they dropped a bit, um, or they stayed at four, Michigan and Ohio State are going to be battling here in a few weeks, and the loser of that, it's going to be hard for a one-loss Big Ten team, in my opinion, to get in. So provided both those teams are undefeated at the end of the season up until that final game where they face off against each other, that, that could determine things. Still a lot of football to be played in college and uh, definitely wanted to touch about that um, on, on the monologue because there's a lot of really interesting stuff that is set to happen here in, uh, in the next few weeks. This, this season has been very exciting and it will continue to be. We'll talk more football with Kevin and Daniel, uh, NFL with Kevin, and then the high school gridiron that I happen to work with Daniel on uh, as playoffs get rolling for that. Plenty of NFL action to talk about with Kevin. I want to give a quick shout-out. We're working hard with the Mary Green Corral, and we've got a November 14th concert coming up, and it's it's going to be a very good concert, saluting St. Cecilia. Um, so that's November 14th. It will be, it will be at uh, the very good venue of All Saints Episcopal Church on Hilton Head. And 7.30 start time, going to be going to be great. We're starting to sell tickets and whatnot. It's going to be a, a great night for sure. Check out the Facebook page, and uh, there will be plenty of information there to find out more about the concert. We'll be selling tickets. Uh, stuff is out and about as far as posters, and, and we're definitely getting the word out in the next couple of weeks. Last week, as I move on to the other choir that I sing in a bunch, the Hilton Head Choral Society. Last week they had their uh, they had their pops concert. Unfortunately, I was not able to sing because I was calling a football game uh, over there at HHCA. And I just want to give a shout out to to my comrades in the Choral Society, artistic director Dustin Owsley. Just it's been great to uh, to work with him, and rehearsals have been going well. And and there's plenty more music ahead. So I wanted to give a quick shout out, a quick salute as I'm saluting folks to uh, to those fine organizations, Mary Green, the the maestra of the Mary Green Corral and, uh, and company, and I'll be seeing them Monday, have Choral Society rehearsal on Sunday, and uh, check out a whole lot of information on social media for both choirs, and uh, make sure you get your tickets to the upcoming concerts, because they're, they're going to be quite good. When we come back, Kevin joins me, and we've got much more straight ahead here on the Marcus Wall Show. We're talking a couple of big things in the world of basketball, certainly the World Series, and plenty of NFL action straight ahead as the Marcus Wall Show continues right after you hear this. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? less division and school sports have it down to a science looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us look no further than high school sports in south carolina this message presented by the south carolina high school league and the south carolina athletic administrators association 
Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show here from the Bat Cave. We've got a special guest in the studio, a guy that I've gotten to know quite well over about the last calendar year. Color commentator for WHHI Football on WHHI Sports TV. My old broadcast partner and buddy Daniel Court with us. Good to have you in the Bat Cave, my man. Thanks for having me, man. This is we've we've talked about this for a little bit. Long and, time. Uh, yeah, here we are. We're yes. sitting here talking sports, hanging out like a couple of dudes drinking green, green tea. Green tea. Compliments and, uh, of the lips. Lemon. Yeah. Kevin hooking us up as always at his pad, the Bat Cave. Want to talk a couple things with you? Um, I, I think it just wouldn't be right for us not to dive into a little bit of high school football action. I tell you what, man, you look at week one, which starts on Friday night. The Loco guys have already put out their preview show. Watched it a little bit ago. Uh, West Kerr, Dylan Price, and uh, a couple others working really hard on that. Certainly for this week, and there are some really interesting matchups that are. Just all over the board. There's not much loco on loco action for this first round, but from what we've seen out of a plethora of high school league and skiza league teams, I'm really excited for this playoffs uh, and this this playoff season to get underway. Well, yes. I mean, this is you know every everything these guys do from from the first day of practice is leading to this point in the season. Um, you've got, I think that the skiza, the skiza ranks are, are exciting. Don't you think? I mean, you know, you watch, Absolutely. you, you've got, it's, it's really pure. You don't have obviously the same athletes that you're going to see at the, the public school class three, four and five A's, but, um, sprinklings of great athletes, um, you know, we talked about the the quarterbacks for the long line of quarterbacks at Christian Academy and that tradition. You look at what Thomas Hayward's been able to do over the last five to seven years in creating their own dynasty. You look at what Buford Academy has has done and and Mark Clifford there um, turning that program around. And and then you've got some other powerhouses like PD Academy that we don't know as much about. And uh, so, you know. The, the the interesting teams that that are that are probably going to be the the I on on um, all, all the list of of the local viewers around here are going to be obviously Christian and, and Thomas Hayward right but they're not shoe ends this year there's a lot of good teams no. out there that can beat those guys absolutely um, since you mentioned PD I can go ahead and mention it and it's been mentioned before they're on to week two. Because Hilton Head Prep forfeited ah, their matchup right. against PD. We saw them last week, and they had 24 players. And now they're down to 15. And, I mean, I just feel so bad for Dustin Etheridge and, and the guys. I mean, they, they played hard. They, they have the right pieces if they just stick with it. And, and I think they're going to be some definite maturation steps moving forward very quickly um but it it was going to be tough for them regardless and you know they played well in the two games that we saw unfortunately only scored one touchdown in both you know even going back to early on in the game when when you mentioned that Barger went down and he did that was a huge loss on top of all the other losses that we talked about on Friday night. I mean, they, they were without Lonsell Daly 
for the exception of two plays, a kickoff, and then he made a play on defense where he kind of corralled a pass with his left arm. Whether or not that was the shoulder that was injured, I still don't know. But, you know, when you're down that much, Wyatt Harmer did a heck of a job. But, you know, being the backup quarterback, it, things may have been a little bit different if, uh, if more of those guys would have been able to play. I still give Prep a ton of credit, and I'm really excited. As excited as I was this year to see Buford Academy Prep, I think next year is going to be a team that I'm going to have on my mind a lot as far as really what they can do in skis of play. Yeah, well, they are, to me, the epitome of the phrase um, insult to injury. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, literally, insult to injury. You know, those guys, not only were they young, we talked about this a lot in our broadcast, but they're young, but it completely depleted. I mean, it seems like every time we called their games, they were losing not only players, but some of their better players. Yes, and, um, you know, it's a shame to watch, but it's also exciting to watch programs turn themselves around. Like we saw Battery Creek this year having some success after many years of just, you know, losing seasons. I was surprised to see their final record. Unfortunately, they only won three games. They're still in the playoffs, but a 3-7 and seven team, they're, they're a little bit better than that. They look yeah. to possibly make a run. We'll, we'll get into the high school league in a second, but... Um, you know, Buford Academy is going up against Orangeburg Prep. Uh, Thomas Hayward is going up against Dorchester. And THA and HHCA, like you mentioned, still very, very good. But they're not quite as good as they've been in years past. Um, the intriguing matchup, and again, it just happened. All, all these matchups would have happened within the last couple of weeks. But the really intriguing matchup that I think we may see is if John Paul II beats Wilson Hall... Oh, by the way, they lost 49-14 to to Wilson Hall last week. And if Hilton Head Christian beats Florence Henderson, and, and that will happen uh, tomorrow as well, we will see Hilton Head Prep JP2 again. Uh, or rather, Hilton Head Christian Academy, I'm sorry. JP2 again. And that was a heck of a showdown. We didn't have that game, but it was a 48-32 HHCA win with two of the best quarterbacks, not just in Skiza, but in all of this area of high school football. Yeah, Dylan Clark for Christian Academy and Christian Tilton for JP2. Those those two guys would be star players on any high-powered public school football team. Um, I think Dylan Clark is more of a true quarterback, um, whereas Tilton's a little bit more of an athlete. But um, both can make plays anywhere on the field at any time, and they're really they're game-breaker-type talents. Yeah, without question. They're both just absolutely terrific. Um, and, and I made the comparison on the air and then with the Loco guys after the game last Friday that if you take Christian Tilton's lower half and you take <laughs> Mad Max von Hohenstraten's upper half, you have Dylan Clark. I, I went back and I watched three quarters of that game that we called last week. His throwing motion is just so doggone effortless. It's like he's flying a feather out of his hand. A feather just releases, and there it goes. It's, it's like... I'm going to make a reference that we both know. It's like the scene at the end of the movie, and it may even be at the beginning, of Forrest Gump with the feather just flying mm -hmm. 
That's mm-hmm. what the ball looks like yeah. as soon as it leaves his hand. It's just lofting, and, I mean, his accuracy is just yeah. so good. He made some throws that are arguably some of the best that I've I've seen calling games. And I tell you what, we're in the process of doing some stuff for WHHI later in the season. I think I let you know that I'm going to talk to folks about doing a recap show. Um, we figure we'll probably do the top 10 plays of the year that we saw. There could be several from that final game off yeah. the arm of Dylan Clark because yeah. he was just tremendous. Let's go to the high school league real quick. And the one thing that um, I'll mention first uh, of a couple of things is, again, congrats to Ridgeland. They get one win, and they sneak into the playoffs with Rodney Rodney Barr. I almost said Rodney Brown again. Uh, Rodney Barr, C.J. Frazier, and company. And they're in the playoffs. They're going to have a tough matchup in that first round. And then Hilton Head, unfortunately, grabbing the number five spot, just left on the outside of 7-4-A. But that, that 7-4-A really intrigues me because you've got Bluffton and you certainly have May River, who are both set up to make pretty good runs. They're, they're hiding a little bit under the radar because they're not quite as good as they've been in the past, yeah. for sure. But 7-4-A is going to be really exciting. I think May River is is the sleeper team to watch. I really do. I think they, Rodney Summers had mentioned it several times, they, they're they a little bit younger team. Um, the quarterback, uh, Brett Brett Macy's son. Um, Tanner. Tanner. Tanner, that's right. Uh, very talented but young, and they lost, a, a, you know, a, a handful of really strong senior athletes that carried them over the last few years. But – they got lots of talent, Marcus, and they're well coached. They 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 have a a very complex, simple to run, but complex for defenses to scheme offense. And they're really scrappy on defense. I, with the exception of the James Island game where they got blown out, I I I think this team is riding some momentum and probably playing their best football over the last few weeks. I I like them to make some noise in the playoffs. It's, it's going to be really interesting for sure. And then with uh, – certainly you've got the 1A in uh, – you have the 1A in Ridgeland, and actually I think they're 2A. Um, Whale Branch is another team, Battery Creek. They're, they're battling through it as well. Um, but you take a look additionally at a couple of these other teams that we saw – I still think nobody's quite as complete or as dominant top to bottom in all phases as the Buford Eagles under Bryce Librand. Well, I don't think there's any question about it. In fact, they had some – well, they played Fort Dorchester first game of the season. Dorchester, as we know, is a perennial 5A state power and played them very competitively. They beat Goose Creek in the Rain Bowl – and six nothing, yeah. Six nothing, and really didn't get any offense going until the second half of the May River game. But as you recall, that's when they moved Casey Fields from wide receiver over to, to running, back. running back. That may that has totally changed this offense. You take the best athlete on your team, yes, and you start putting the ball in his hands. What that's done 
is it's allowed and really freed up Samari Bonds to uh, do his thing at quarterback. Right. Young quarterback, really had to be somewhat one-dimensional until they got the running game going. Casey Fields just goes off in the first three games. I think he ran for an average of 250 yards a game. Yeah. And that's opened things up. And really, since then, Bond has come on to really cement himself as the leader of that football team. And he's got Tyler Haley-like skills, but maybe a little bit better feet. So yeah. Buford's, Buford, I think Buford, with their coaching staff, is poised to make another run at the state. I completely mm-hmm. agree. Um, May River is taking on Myrtle Beach. That's a home game for May River. Certainly, we uh, we we just talked about Buford and 3A, and they're they're going to be really set quite well. Bluffton has a game against Westwood, and then in some of the other matchups, you know, Buford's not going to have necessarily a, a cakewalk in in 3A, but they're they're definitely uh, a team to look out for, as you mentioned. Who's your sleeper out of out of both of these? I, I know you uh, you mentioned a few of them within the high school and Skiza ranks. Well, sleeper I would say for Skiza, um, I'm going to say either, and I know this is probably going out on a limb to say that Thomas Hayward's a sleeper, but they haven't like as you had alluded to, they haven't had the same type of success this season as they've had the previous three or four. I like them, um, uh, and, and I like uh, Buford Academy. I think, I think they've got enough athletes that if they can keep their opponents, the, the high-powered offenses they're going to see later in the playoffs, um, off the board yeah. enough, their offense can create enough uh, points to win games. So those are two that I like. I, I mentioned May River I like as a sleeper. Um, and for, from this area, I don't, you know, Bluffton's just not quite there yet, um, to make a run in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, that's May, May River and Buford are, are the teams that I see from, from our area going, going perhaps deep. And if not for Buford, maybe all the way. I, I think I would have to agree with you. Those and especially the the games that uh, Buford and May River have had over the last two years have just been outstanding. And I mean, we we cover so many athletes, so many great coaches. We get some inside stories as well that we share, both when it comes to the numbers and and then some of the personal stuff. And it's what makes high school football, in particularly when you have so many great teams, it's what makes it great. And uh, again, we're we're two years in calling games together, but there's still going to be more as uh, we still have a few more weeks of coverage with Loco Sports. You'll get stuff from us. You'll get stuff here on the Marcus Wall Show a little bit as well. Um, going to be really interesting. Real quick, I know you only have a couple of minutes left. Want to get your take on the battle between Live and PG and the PGA, being that you're so into golf. I couldn't tell you I guess the last time I watched a golf tournament was and obviously with football and everything going on that's part of it but the last time I watched a golf tournament was the PGA championship back in September there's just no end in sight for this thing it looks like yeah you know it's 
What's going on with professional golf right now is, is somewhat of a microcosm of what's going on with politics in our country and, and division in our culture, let's face it. So um, lots of people have differing viewpoints on live and the Saudi money and is it sports washing, and I get all of that. But the reality is, is you, you look at professional golfers, and if you're not in the top 125 in the world, you're a, you're a road beater, man. I mean, you're out there. I mean, again, if you're past that, you can still make good money, but you've got to be on the road, and you've got you to win, and you've got to make cuts. And it's, it's not the easy, glamorous life that most people may think of when they think of professional golfers. Right, absolutely. Um, so you can't, it's, it's really, really difficult to begrudge these guys that have crossed over to live because it's guaranteed money. The, the, the tournaments are 54 holes versus 18. Their season is shorter. Uh, and they're playing with house money, and it's generational wealth. If you're talking about a Brooks Kepka or a Cam Smith or a Dustin Johnson, these guys sign for multi Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, if not billions. Right. Some of them. But then you look on the other side, the, the, the tour, the tradition. The, it's really sad, quite frankly, Marcus, because it it's, absolutely it's fractured the game. And I have a hard time getting interested. I, as a, a lifetime golf fan, I have a hard time getting interested watching either at this point. And, and that's, I'm with you. That's, that's a little concerning. And I, here's what I think. You know, live is live is about one. Let's live is about three things, Marcus. Let's let's be honest. It's about money. It's it's about it's about power, and it's about ego. You got a lot of all of those elements involved. When you get those three things together, you got a an ingredient for for a mess. And I believe Jay Monahan's at some point gotta get to the negotiation table and say how do we do this and the other question the, the big four question marks are how are the major championships which, which are self-governed how are they going to handle this moving forward and um so you know there's a lot that still needs to be shaken out and and um uh, you know I, I think i think right now golf in in my opinion is in a very scary and 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 not not great it's place. not in a great place at all i'm trying to i'm fighting for the words because I, I don't want to say the wrong thing yeah. because you know and you're I, passionate about the sport i'm passionate and i hope that i'm wrong and i know that the rbc heritage just got you know a, a lot more money to 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 add to its purse and an elevation and it's in its um its status on tour that's all exciting but you want to see the greatest players in the world compete against each other yeah. and not be not be separated. So, you know, my, my thoughts are you can't begrudge the guys for doing it. I just don't think it's good for golf. I completely agree. Um, it's, it is so tough for golf, for sure, uh, in my opinion. You mentioned – I want to get back to high school football real quick, and then I'll let you go. You mentioned when I was thanking everybody – on the crew, and I don't know if you saw my Facebook post that I made, the Facebook Live video I made on Sunday. You said, you better not forget anybody out. I was just doing names left and right, left and right. I did forget somebody. Who's that? And I wanted to make sure to go on Facebook and, and thank this guy, and then with you as well uh, here to thank him also, and that's Joseph Keith. Joseph Keith, Joe Keith, um, he's, he's always going to be Joseph to me. 
he helped us out with a couple of games, I think it was, uh, for sure that first Tilton Head prep game that we did. And he's just been such an integral part, certainly, of, of what we do in terms of getting the games on the air and then, you know, everything that he does at the station as well mm. with news and whatnot. He's just a, a really cool guy. I mean, yeah. who, who else could you think of that would do backflips next to a camera? Um, just one of the many things that, that Joe does that, that's great. So um, hopefully we have him on, Kevin and I, for a, a little bit of basketball this year. And uh, as we talked about, we'd like to have you, you know, come by one of our basketball games, check it out, see uh, see how things are going. There is something I want to share with you, a little hype video that Hilton Head Prep put on Twitter uh, that actually has Kevin and I in it uh, a little bit. So we'll share that with you before you leave. Yeah, no, I'd, um, lo- I'd love to. I, I like round ball. I, yeah. I, I used to play a little bit of basketball, so I'd love to come. round ball and, rock. Yeah, I'd love to come sit down with you guys and talk basketball. So, yeah, uh, let, let's do that. And, you know, on your comments about Joe Keith, Joseph, I call him as well. First time I met that maybe, young maybe man. It's, maybe it's because we're a little bit older. Who, who knows? I don't. I, well, maybe. You know, we, we, we <laughs> date we date ourselves often, don't we? We certainly do. Um, but yeah, no, just a really friendly, likable, super um, nice guy, classy young guy is willing to you know pitch in and as you said, literally do backflips for. Yeah, you. And <laughs> gotta love a guy like that. Actually, the first time I met Joseph was when we were at the Palmetto Championship at Congaree last year. He was my camera guy for that that tournament. The little bit of footage that we uh, that we were able to do, he had to had to fill in for one Kevin Libby. Um, it's, it's, who's that? It's true. Who's who's Kevin? Oh, there he is. So he's in the house, folks. <laughs> I've got so, the seat warm for him. Certainly, certainly glad that uh, Joseph was able to do that, and he's he's been just tremendous. So certainly want to thank him yep. as as well as everybody else for uh, for everything they've done for our games that we've actually called basketball coming up soon. But again, we'll have a little bit more football coverage over the last or over the next uh, about three or four weeks, and. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's it's been fun. It will continue to yeah. be for sure. Well, they say in golf there's golf and then there's tournament golf and the two are not the same. I say that about football. There's the regular season and then there's playoffs. The two are not the same. It's this a new is, season. This is what 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 did uh, Bill Parcells used to say? This is what you lift all them weights for. This is what right. you go through all this hell for for this moment. And it's just always fascinating to me to watch how certain players rise to the occasion and yeah. other and and others sort of flitter away you know it's it's the it's the ultimate pressure cooker in sports yep. and um, we'll see it's exciting chick stig scars <laughs> yeah pain pa- pain is temporary i yes. think i'm botching it already the replacement pride, quote pride yeah. lasts forever thank you jeremy again for for yeah. grabbing that um to, to everybody that we've mentioned, and certainly to you, Daniel, to, uh, to wrap out this segment, I salute you, we salute you, and uh, thanks for coming on by. Well, I can't think of two guys I'd rather hang out with and talk sports than, than Lipster and, and MW. You guys are the best. We'll, uh, we'll definitely do it again, for sure. Hey, before I go, give me, give me one more Regis Philbin. Why, of course, who wants to be a millionaire? Here we go. <laughs> He's here, not all week, folks. He's here all year. (laughs) That's right.
<laughs> That'll do it for this segment. We've got plenty more. Kevin's going to hop in and join me as per usual. The Marcus Wall Show, as we salute you, continues right after this timeout. The music you hear on The Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back into The Marcus Wall Show on this Thursday at the Bat Cave. Caleb's got a few days off work, so we're... uh. We're recording here, and uh, welcome aboard, Kev. Thanks for thanks for having me, Marcus. Good to be back, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, certainly, we'll talk more about Tyler Brown here in a little bit. But want to give a shout out to Tyler Brown, TBMM Productions for the tunes. That kid's alive. And Larry, he is. That's that's a teaser. More coming up later. Um, and also Larry Jackamot for the voiceovers with. NFHS and uh, and the like that you hear every episode of the Marcus Wall Show that gets uh, put into the universe. We salute them. We're saluting a whole bunch of people because there's there's a lot to to salute. And uh, with that being said, we're going to go into the World Series on on Fox. And right now we're looking at a two two tie. It was the first time that this has ever happened where the Philadelphia Phillies get a win in which they shut out their opponent. The next night, they get shut out, and it's a 2-2 tie. We've got a barn burner. Whoa, Nelly! Daniel Court is a big fan of my Keith Jackson impression. We'll, we'll talk to Daniel, too, later. Um, we will... Uh, actually, we, we just did talk to Daniel. It was awesome. It, it was. Um, so, we... Uh, we talked to Daniel. He's he's a big fan of the impression, and um, additionally, uh, Marcus just got his COVID vaccine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and you've been putting it together, baby. This show has been together until it's, this point. It's been wild. This is the first time um, we've had some rails where, issues. Where was I? Where was I going? So we got a two-two series tie, baby. And, if and you like pitching, it's a, it's a barn burner. Yeah. And if if you like pitching, that's that's where it's at. It's it's been crazy. We've been seeing a bunch of balls just flying out of the ballpark, and uh, and some big plays so far. Pretty good series, and it's only going to get better tonight with Justin Verlander going up against Noah Syndergaard. It's so much more fun with a real town in the series. How about Philly? I mean, these fans have made this series fun from someone that's not a Phils fan. I mean, it's great. The Strohs are the evil empire. It's really fun to cheer against them. And the Phils, gosh darn it, they are lovable. I mean, you know, I didn't think Bryce Harper being that rich would make him that likable. He's that much He's that much more fun. I mentioned earlier about the Mary Green Corral and Maestro Mary Green. Um, she actually hails from Philadelphia originally. And she actually had a group of hers, I can't remember which at the moment, but sing at a Phillies game, sing the national anthem. She got to have a picture taken with the Philly fanatic. It was a really good picture. I mean, that's the kind of thing you want to have in a frame on the wall. What I'm talking about in terms of the Phils fans being redonkalonk is things like they have, uh, speaking of auditory things, they have like a, a meter that measures uh, auditory events around Philadelphia, and it registered the same as like an earthquake. So there was two home runs. Yeah, it's... It's like going to a football game either in Kansas City or Seattle. 
Exactly. The noise factor is ridiculous. I just love that they're registering. Talk about shaking your brain. Ugh, baby, it's the way sports are supposed to be. Fanatics doing fanatic things loudly. <laughs> so, great series. I think it's going to go seven at this point. I mean, who knows? But we're, we're both on Team Philadelphia all you, the way. You, me, and the nation. Go, uh, go Phil's. Gonna be, gonna be great. Marcus, burn down the rest of the games. Let's see. We're looking at the uh, the series started on Friday the twenty eighth. Phillies with a six five win. Astros with a five two win to tie the series at one on the 29th. Tuesday seven nothing Phillies lead to one. Then the uh, the five nothing Stros win last night to tie it at two. Game 5, as I mentioned, tonight, 8 o'clock on Fox. Game 6 is Saturday night, so they do get an off day tomorrow. And then Game Sunday, if, uh, game 6, or rather, I'm sorry, Game 7, Sunday, November 6th, if needed, 8 o'clock on Fox. It's fun, baby. Going out nationally. I know. You're okay with the COVID brain, buddy. We yeah, got yeah. you. It's kind uh, of it's going all over the place on me a little bit. Man, I'm usually the one that takes you off the rails. I'm really happy to get to I'm be there. I'm taking myself off the rails. It's just, I got this captain's <laughs> hat. The whole time I was wearing this thing, I have a train whistle. And uh, finally, it's getting put to use. <laughs> Marcus, let's get back over to uh, moving on from baseball. You want to talk some basketball? Yeah, let's let's do that. And uh, so far, there are a couple of storylines that are looking really interesting in the world of basketball. Got to start off with my hometown team, born and raised in in Canton, Ohio, about an hour away. You've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. My goodness, do they look good. You've got Darius Garland back and playing really well, but it really rolls, and that offense is rolling indeed, thanks to Donovan Mitchell. A 114-113 overtime win over your Boston Celtics last night on ESPN. Cavs have only lost one game and that team is really starting to gel quite well and, and looking really good here in the very early season. Yeah, I mean, my Celtics look pretty good on the uh, early season here, but we're hurt on the inside. The reality is Rob Williams is out, and Big Al, God bless him, is not as fast as he used to be. So Jarrett Allen went all over the place uh, in the paint you know, against those, those Celtics. I think it'll be a, maybe a different story in the playoffs, but the reality is you guys have your best player on the court looking like a star. Donovan's that good. Best player since LeBron. I mean, you're coaching around him, and so you're making a guy who makes plays make plays. Um, he looks better than Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum's pretty good. So, you know, to the victory go the, sp- or go the spoils. I will say, and you know this one, I was bitter that with like six seconds left, the last Boston Celtics shot in regulation, Tate strives the lane. <clears throat> By the way, let's, pre- let's set that one up. Donovan Mitchell takes a step back three, which was ridiculous. Jason Tatum down two points. Following that three, uh, gets off the Celtics shot six seconds ago. It is a sweet dunk with Jarrett Allen in contest, which I believe should have been a foul. So that ideally would have been a one-point Celtics lead with you guys bringing the ball back down where you missed the shot. Uh, Didn't happen. What did happen was the overtime where you guys took it home and sealed the deal. And so Cleveland looking really good to start the year. Um, Some craziness going on in Golden State and just – Drama, drama, drama out the yin-yang with that team. It's about time, I think. And people know I'm not a fan of Draymond Green. But 
it's it's bad with them. It seems like things are definitely a little fractured between him, the organization, most importantly, Steve Kerr and Jordan Poole, um, for sure, of what happened a few weeks ago. The West, how, how will the West be won, as I've, as I've talked about before? It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think the Warriors are still far and away the best team in the West. They will figure it out. There's been a lot of things in the NBA that have made what's supposed to be an entertainment-based product really difficult to swallow as an entertainment-based product. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to get into Kyrie. I don't want to get into Ime, especially not understanding the context by which Marcus Smart said this in an interview. Uh, how is Ime Adoka disqualified from coaching the Boston Celtics but still qualified under league rules to, to coach the Nets? Bingo. Unbelievable. We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. Either way, it's not fun, and it's an entertainment-based sport where it just doesn't feel like it's the joy that uh, we come to expect from the highest level of, of sport. Um, bringing it back west, how are the Suns looking to you? What do you think? Well, I really haven't watched a whole lot of them, but they seem to be pretty strong from what I see. You know, a couple of years ago, they in Milwaukee playing for the title. That was my... Uh, preseason prediction, I think, uh, no, I had the Lakers taking on the Bucks. I think it was. Um, but, and the Lakers are kind of topsy-turvy right now. Mm-hmm. Look out for the Suns. Look out for the Bucks. If if something happens to shift things even more dysfunctionally between Golden State and then certainly Brooklyn, um, but there's could plenty. see Sun-Bucks. The West is actually a good time. If in terms of Jokic might actually, you know... Get to a higher level. That's theoretically possible. It's fun to watch a big that can pass. And then the similar con- contrasts with Luca. Luca's a guy who can change the game, not just for himself, but for his teammates. And come playoff time, that's going to be a good time. We're still a long way to go. We got a trade deadline. Oh, yeah. We got the All Star break. We got all kinds of drama just sure to come. Just get started. NBA is in a brand new season. It certainly is. Just a few games in for a lot of teams. I think the Cavs now have played seven games. They are on a six game win six streak. And six and one. You got it, baby. Yeah. So, crazy start to the season, and uh, we'll be breaking it down for you periodically, certainly on this show. Still a lot more coming up when we return. We're talking the mania that is the trade deadline and midseason of the National Football League. I'd like to get your thoughts on, uh, on a few teams, and then we'll play a little bit of... Super Bowl matchup or the field. A little little pick'em action. That's coming up, as well as a whole lot more. The Marcus Walsh Show continues right after this from the Batcave. Stick around. Do you like sports? We like sports. On the Marcus Walsh Show, we cover sports like a blanket. The PGA, Major League Baseball, NFL and NBA, NCAA football and hoops, South Carolina high school action, food, pop culture, and friends with their perspectives and laughs aplenty. New editions are available every month to keep you up to speed and inside the biggest stories your friends are talking about. You can join us on your favorite platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to the show so you can pick up the latest drop like it's hot. Come hang out with me and my crew while we share the language that unites us all across this land, pop culture, and sports. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show. We're about to talk the NFL, the, the craziness that's going on there, the mania of the 
trading deadline and certainly some some thoughts on some of these teams. Certainly get into the standings as well. But first, we want to let you know, and we will give another salute to Tyler here in just a little bit. But we want to let you know that his newest single is out. It is called Alive, and that is what you just heard coming from that commercial break that we just had. Kudos to Tyler, and uh, we'll talk more about him here shortly. He's he's cranking them out, man. He's he's doing a heck of a job. Have you seen the video? I know we're gonna get into it, but the video is rad. I saw the video, and it's it's very cool. All right. So to the NFL trade deadline was crazy. How about them? How about the Bears? How about them Bears? Tell you what, they uh, they're going nowhere. Real quick. No, I like it. I really do. Because I think you can buy a defense. I, don't get me wrong. Roquan Smith is an awesome defensive player. And, I mean, the Eagles are going to be stacked. And, yeah, they're packing it in for this year. But Chase Claypool's legit. The, that that was a nice move to get him from Pittsburgh, for sure. And how angry must Aaron Rodgers be that in division, these Bears go out and get a great receiver. It's going to matter next season. But Justin Fields has had nothing, nothing. And now, look at this. they got a young offense. I'm telling you, you can buy a de- you can buy a linebacker. You can go out and get Khalil Mack when he's 35. You can buy a defense. He would be coming back to Chicago, by the way, if, if they were able to make that move work at some point in his career. That's where he started. I'm just saying, if you want to go get an old man linebacker and overpay him, you can. But what's tough to get without a trade is a wide receiver. Unless you're drafting somebody, it's tough to do that. And they have their quarterback. Fair point. So I'm saying them Bears look fine for the future, and if I was a Packers fan, I would be irate. Fair enough. Yeah, Green Bay struggling too. They they had the uh, the tough loss against Buffalo on Sunday night, and this could be near the end for one Aaron Rodgers. Can you imagine if the Packers and the Bucks both miss the playoffs? It's a possibility. I think it's a valid and very real possibility. Tom Brady, yeah, the divorce is finalized. Everything in his life is kind of getting settled, we think. But Tampa Bay is not playing very well. They're three and five, and really struggling right now. How about this? That that crazy game between Atlanta and Carolina over the weekend. That's fun. And Atlanta is leading the NFC South. At a 500 record of four and four, and they take on the Los Angeles Chargers this week. Yeah, I mean that's that's a surprise, Marcus. I give you credit. You told me the Falcons were going to be fun, and Dag Gummit with Marcus Mariota, they're a legit team. And Kyle Pitts looks like he's probably the best. Kyle Pitts is the best player on that field. The athleticism's unbelievable. I mean, to be that fast and that big, and he's a better blocker than I was expecting. So, you know. This is going to be a fun, a fun little uh, NFC South we have going, and I think similarly the NFC East is is a a boondoggle because I think the Cowboys are better than they're playing. And I think the at some point, at some the point, the Giants are really surprising. The Eagles look like the best team, if not the top two in football. And I'm glad you brought that up because I mentioned to you off air, and and you said that you would take the field on this. I think we're on our way to seeing Philadelphia versus Buffalo in the Super Bowl this year. 
Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, I don't. It's not that I think you're wrong. It's that I have less confidence in the Bills. I think that the Bills are excellent, especially on the defensive side of the football right now. And they also ball control, and they're good in weather. Uh, I don't trust Josh Allen as much with the ball security as I probably should. I also don't like a running quarterback, even though that's where we are at this point in the league. Uh, I don't think he is that much head and shoulders above Pat Mahomes in terms of um, having a better team behind him. So, you know, I think on the AFC side it's a little more open, but in, in the NFC... I expect at some point someone's going to catch up to these birds, but dang it, they are up there. I mean, they look like the best team in the AMC. Dallas could. They're 6-2. and two. They have to face Philadelphia one more time. Um, there's a possibility that the San Francisco 49ers could. Holy cow, Christian McCaffrey looks like a new man in San Fran. Well done out of yours truly on that one. Mike Shanahan, who knew? Or in this case, Kyle, but the Kyle, Shanahan yeah. offense. Yeah, and, and the fact that Ed played for Mike in multiple stops, San Francisco and then Denver, and now you've got Christian playing with Kyle, pretty pretty interesting stuff. Look out for San Francisco. I think if, if anybody was to knock Philadelphia off at this point in the NFC, I would probably give a slight edge myself to San Fran at this point and then Dallas. I think they're the only two teams right now that can – possibly do it. Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys have that great downhill offense behind Zeke, and Dax Prescott actually has decent ball control capacity. He's a very good quarterback. And then for San Francisco, uh, to have the best third-down style running back, by which I mean pass blocking and especially receiving, McCaffrey changes the game. And, and then that West Coast offensive style with a little bit of the Shanahan, uh, you know, elements to it. Let's someone like George Kittle move side to side with the capacity to block like an offensive swing lineman. Matt, more of fact, if you want to put in a swing lineman on the edge and, and throw in a little double tight end set with Kittle, you can completely do jumbo. Oh, by the way, you could also just throw McCaffrey opposite that and run the counter. Sick. You gotta cover east, west, side to side, and a little bit of north south with that quarterback. I don't mind Jimmy GQ you know, run off a deep pass when he's got some very legitimate play-action passes coming because you have to respect that running game. So I'm saying officially, I think we'll see, and things could change, it could get crazy, but I'm saying we will see Buffalo and Philadelphia. You said that you're taking the field. Do you like Philly's chances to represent the NFC? Yeah, I'd take them tops right now, absolutely. Who and, you, I mean, I then, can't play anybody above them. And then in the AFC... You've got a plethora of teams. You know, Kansas City's still in the mix. You know, you've got Baltimore and Cincinnati that are even still in the mix. Cincinnati's struggling this year, but they're in the hunt of things. Um, yeah, great quarterback. My, play. Miami made some big moves to go up in the pecking order of the AFC East. They, I mean, the Jets have been a surprise this year. Uh, unfortunately, not great things happening for your New England Patriots. We're okay. although, although they ended up getting a nice win uh, the other day the, for you. The Jets aren't as good as their record. We were favored in Vegas coming into that game as a 3-4 and four team against a 5-2. and two. Uh, It's mostly because of their lousy quarterback play. Um, do you think that Tua Tagovailoa is, irrespective of his receivers, is he elite? Not yet. I don't think so either. I, I think there's a chance that he could get there, but... The issues that he had at Alabama, predominantly with health, you know, he just had to deal with it now, and and we won't get into the where, why, and how of that, Um, but he had to deal with it with Miami. And I just think he still has some growing to do in terms of maturing physically. 
he really didn't have, in my opinion, he has a little bit of that to do. Is he getting any taller? Well, no, but in, in terms of just becoming a, yeah, a holding little up. bit better and, and holding up. Yeah, I hear you. Um, he reminds me, and, and again, we're not going to talk any sort of issues outside of the court or field, but his problems staying healthy remind me a little bit of Kyrie Irving's problems staying healthy when he was at Duke and then early on with the Cavs as well. We are describing in that sense two undersized players. You know, would you take Kyler Murray over Tua at this point? Absolutely, I would. Me too. So I'm not sure Tua is Without even... Without question. I'm not sure Tua is cracking my top 10 quarterbacks, although he's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's not cracking mine either. Yeah. Um, who wanna, else? Want to get into the standings real quick. Oh, sure. Um, just to break it up a little bit, Buffalo six and one, uh, the New York Jets five and three, Miami five and three, the New England Patriots at four and four, Baltimore Ravens at five and three, the Cincinnati Bengals at four and four. Did you see what Cleveland did to Cincinnati on Monday night? Yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed the holy o- crap the all Ohio game. I didn't watch any of it, huh? but, but I was well. I had a a busy Monday. But you're the target demo. Well, yeah, but. Monday Monday nights are, are busy for me. I got a better Midwest team we'll three, talk about. Keep going. Three and five are the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh two and six. Boy, they continue to struggle. The Tennessee Titans at five and two. The Indianapolis Colts at three and four. Who would have thought that Matt Ryan would be having the difficult season that he's been having? Jacksonville at two and six, and Houston, little old Houston at one and five. Kansas City five and two. The Los Angeles Chargers four and three. The Denver Broncos, have they turned a corner off that big win in London? Who knows? Three and five, and then the Las Vegas Raiders at two and five. Philly seven and zero. Oh. Dallas six and two. The New York Football Giants, the G-Men, six and two. The Washington Commanders, four and four. The Minnesota Vikings, six and one, leading the division in the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers, three and five. As are the Chicago Bears. Detroit, one and six. Atlanta again leading the NFC South at four and four. Tampa Bay at three and five, as is New Orleans, and Carolina at two and six. Seattle five and three. San Francisco four and four. The Los Angeles Rams at three and four, and the Arizona Cardinals at three and five. And again, the worst record at the moment in the NFL is the one and five Houston Texans. It's it's been crazy. There's there's some parody. I have a feeling you're going to say Minnesota, yeah. Kirk Cousins, yep. and you the, like that? the lead they have in the division. It you looks, like that? It looks like the division is theirs unless Green Bay goes and starts to really soar. Um, yeah, they, they find a way to win. And I love it's not always pretty, but they find a way to win. They're, they're like Al Davis. Just win, baby. Just and, win. And they went out and got a top five tight end. And so now all of a sudden. They've got some players on the outside. They've got some ballers. Whenever you get a great tight end that can receive and pass block, then you have that remarkable ability to, again, edge rush. you got your threat on the edge. So for those linebackers, they have to be able to run stuff the gaps in the middle and all of a sudden be ready to go you know, toe up against the guy on the edge who's as big as they are. Right. And the guy can get in the slot and he can catch the ball. So I'm very excited for the Minnesota Vikings to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. You think uh... – NFC Championship game against Philadelphia? I wouldn't put it past them. Now, the team like, you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals behind Kyler Murray is the kind of team that uh, would just wildcard give them a challenge. Same thing with San Francisco, right? Where, you know, toe up, there's just different kind of hat-on-hat matchups they're going to have uh, by both scheme, you know, and talent. And so it's, it's going to be fun, but um, it's wide open. And 
by gum, they're the purple people eaters are real thing contenders. And oh, by the way, that is one TJ Hawkinson coming from Detroit, or as people that speak French like to say, Detroit. He uh, he heads over to Minnesota. Très bon, très bon. Uh, Gracias. The, the other trade that I think stunned <laughs> me was Calvin Ridley going for just a fifth-rounder and a conditional fourth-rounder. He's, he's yeah. a pretty good receiver for that kind of talent level. I thought he'd be similar to the second-round pull that uh, you know the Bears got um, had to give up rather to get Claypool. Deion Jones on the move, and uh, so he is off to Cleveland. And coming from Atlanta, Atlanta gets a sixth-rounder in 2024's draft. Um, Justin Heron goes to the Raiders from your Pats. Um, some some big moves. Jeff Wilson, we just talked about Miami. Jeff Wilson goes from San Francisco. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's going to get a bulk of the carries there. And uh, he goes to Miami. Look out, because that's a heck of a backup in Miami. We're talking fantasy implications for yours truly with that one. And uh, Naeem Hines, another big fantasy move for uh, one of my teams going from Indy to Buffalo. Look out, the guy can run. He did it at NC State. That's where I first saw him playing on TV. Uh, Rashad Fenton going to the Atlanta Falcons from the Kansas City Chiefs for a 2023 conditional seventh-round pick. And a 2023 seventh-round pick sends Dean Marlowe to Buffalo from Atlanta. You talking about Bradley Chubb yet? I had not. That was a big move, too. I mean, we're talking about first round, first round of changing hands. That's an unusual thing this day and age. Pretty good. I mean, he's the only first-round pick that got moved. Uh, you know, of all the moves that we saw, was anyone a first-round pick besides, was McCaffrey even a first-round pick? Yes. Oh, well, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, I, I tell you, though, I think the Falcons gave away too much for too little. Roquan Smith goes from Chicago to Baltimore, as does Robert Quinn from Chicago to Philadelphia. After uh, the aforementioned, I lost it, Roquan Smith. Um, Roquan Smith was the aforementioned. After Smith left, Quinn was very emotional about his leaving, and then Quinn gets traded as well. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. He found out in the press conference. That was interesting. It was. It it definitely was. Robbie Anderson going to Arizona from Carolina. Mentioned the two down there at the bottom. Um, Claypool, you know, a big part of what the Steelers were doing. Obviously, they, they are in mire right now. Uh, Calvin Ridley, not going to be playing this year, but he goes off to Jacksonville. Jacksonville really starting to make some pieces work and trying to get back going. Well, they got to get Trevor Lawrence some help. And the coaching, now, after the Urban Meyer burn-down season, the Jags are surprisingly getting their stuff together. They are. I didn't think they'd get it together this quickly. I like their infrastructure better than Miami. I think that, you know, for the same, they're competing for a lot of the same fans down there. I would go Jags over, over Dolphins at this point. I think they're a lot more fun to watch. So there's a lot, and again, as I talked about with college football, we're about halfway through this season. There is a lot that can still happen, and it's just, it's wild, wacky football mania right now. We talked uh, high school, or I talked high school football with Daniel. Crazy stuff happening there. High school basketball with Kevin and I coming up soon to WHHI-TV. Looking forward to getting our schedule and, and working through some stuff there. It'll be right after the new year, so it's going to be going to be great. Hey, we're getting back at it. We're alive, baby. 
always love going to Hilton Head Prep. I'll, I forgot to show Daniel, but I'll show you the uh, the fine clips that head coach Philip Hartman put together and, and posted out. Not and, that uh, Phil Hartman. No. The coach Philip the Hartman. The coach. And uh, all of both very, very good guys and the actor, absolutely hilarious. 100%. For sure. Um, want to give some shout-outs. Let's talk a little bit more about Tyler and uh, and what he's going on with this new single and just making making moves and, so, and singing away. And he's got a heck of a voice. You, you think of him more for the song that we have used previously on the show <laughs> and, and just spitting rhymes. Man's got a good voice. So he's produced by Chris Grown Man McClellan at Royal Sound Studios, who's also known for his work at Street Execs in Atlanta, where he's worked with acts like, most notably, 2 Chains. Grown Man, out of Port Royal, a former Buford Eagle football player, um, remarkable talent. He is the Dr. Dre, if you will, to Tyler's Snoop Dogg. And this new track is fire. Uh, your jack-o'-lanterns for the Halloween season, don't worry. If you play this song around them, just like the song, they will be lit. Uh, I'm telling you, man, he just had a city release party on the 30th down at, um, where was he, Ruby Lee's, Sports Blues and Soul Food. We know them well. And, you know, if you like local music, we have a real scene here. And Tyler is, is up there with the best of them. We've had some great acts come out of here. Uh, Zach Deputy is the national act at this point. We see Whitley Deputy here local all the time. You know how I feel about Jevin Daly, who's the only other act we've had featured on this show. He's your guy. He's my go-to guy every Thursday night, Captain Woody's. Good times. Uh, you know, and, and say, say it again, every Thursday oh, night? Oh, I should slow down in promo. Every Thursday night at Captain Woody's, you what, can see... What time? I believe they are there from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. They are the nicest guys in the world. It is Jevin Daly, and he's usually with Andy Pitts, and they'll play whatever cover song you want, but they have a whole lineup that's just beautiful, fun stuff. Um, beer buckets, 12 bucks. Go go check that out. And then other good live music. I like Hannah Wickland. I remember when she was 16 years old, I was covering her at an event on the news. And she's 16. She's up there shredding her guitar. And um, I just couldn't take the camera off her. And some folks were like, are you, are you friends with her? Do you know her? And I, was, I just felt kind of creepy. But I said it to them. She's going to be a professional musician for the rest of her life. This is a talent that cannot be denied. And sure enough, uh, that kid's you know one of the best acts in the country on national tour. Um, it's a wonderful thing that we have for a music scene here. In addition to seeing these great athletes go national, we love celebrating the local talent, Marcus. And by gum, it's here. That's why we call this place the Batcave. It, thank you, Tyler. It certainly, it certainly is. Thank you, Tyler, for sure. Thanks to Larry Jackamot for the VOs and, uh, and everything that he does behind the scenes with WHHI and, and certainly with us, um, as well. Uh, one more NBA note to pass along. Did you see what the Toronto Raptors did to Greg Popovich's San Antonio Spurs last night? You, I believe you tried to get me on this. This was the uh, first, a first in the long. A first, yeah. Tell me, it was the worst loss that Greg Popovich has had in his coaching career in the NBA. Hundred, you score a hundred points, pretty good but, for for a game. But defense is part of the game too. Defense is part of the game. How many did they rack up on that defense? San Antonio did not play defense last night. Their, their defense was left, you know, on the side of the street out, outside the arena. 143 to 100. That's, you know what? 40, 143 to 100. 43 points is not the worst blow that I've heard of. And Pop's been at this for a couple, if not a few decades, yeah? It is the worst loss that he has ever taken. Yeah, it's a rebuilding year. So what? Who cares? In, interesting tidbit. I was, I was surprised by it, and I'm not really into the NBA just yet, of course. But 
the look. Wow. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's not walking through that door. That's very true. I celebrate completely the fact that Pop is not interested in walking away because the team's not a winner. I really like these coaching up the young guys. I'm fine with it. Go ahead. Just maybe at some point have the team buy in on the defensive concepts. Reminder, officials are needed for a plethora of sports, predominantly football and basketball. It's not just a South Carolina low country problem. It's a nationwide problem. But to help out in South Carolina, in the low country, go to scofficials.com to find out how you can be a part of it. Um, you certainly have, have been a part of it as an official. Yeah, we can be the solution, baby. It's a really fun time. We should all do it. Um, let's see. Well, I'm talking regular season. No, yeah, I'm just not... saying it's. It, they gave up 173 Phil... points, but the All-Star game last year, Team LeBron scored. Well, it's the All-Star game. I mean, in, in my opinion, the All-Star game is just an, an offensive exhibition yeah. dunk contest shoot. 80-foot threes. When you give up more points in the All-Star game, that's when you can start crying about it being tragic. Well, I eh, I, don't, I, don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But I we think can, that the next can step... agree to disagree. The next step from that would be literally putting the ball in the basket for the other team. Take that, Vegas. <laughs> um, just a quick kind of personal note for me. Um, Veterans Day is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Shout out to all the veterans that are serving, have served. Um, certainly the, the ones even though we talk about it on Memorial Day, but the ones that have paid the ultimate price. Uh, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, very special days to to me. You know, it kind of correlates in, in a way with Halloween. Uh, different cultures have different ways of, of celebrating, but certainly important to uh, to remember those that have passed. And, uh, you know, great, great week of a lot of faith and uh, and certainly some reflection on things for sure. I love Halloween, especially being here in Beaufort, South Carolina. There is now a required reading at USCB for all freshmen. It's The Water is Wide by Pat Conroy. And it's a story of young children at the Maryfield School just one generation ago being segregated from post-Brown versus Board. Remember, that was 1954. Uh, This community has a lot of what were called segregation academies. We still call sports for some of them, where black students were separated by their poverty from white students and people who were in the public school system were declined fair access to a decent education. It's called the corridor of shame. It's been in this community for a long time. And my point is that in Halloween was when Pat Conroy brought those kids over from Defusky and had the people he knew in Buford put them up and they got to experience the holiday the way that the other kids in Buford got to experience the holiday. They got to feel like they belonged for one day. And I love the holiday season around here. It's specifically Halloween's a lot of fun because of that specific tradition from Pat Conroy. Flip side of that coin, I also like St. Patrick's Day quite a bit because coming from Boston, I'd see most of the white community out for St. Patrick's, not the black community. Right here, you go to Savannah, you go to Hilton Head. Everybody knows how to party on St. Pat's. I had a chance to cover, and, and both of us being Irish, you know, we, we've been known to have a libation or two. Um, mm-hmm. they, they do a great job over there in, in Dublin making Guinness. Um, I, I knew we were going to get food or beverage in there at some point. Great, <laughs> great way to tee it up, Kev. Corned beef, cabbage. And, uh, and the like, cause along with all the Halloween candy that we could stuff ourselves with. Yeah, you can put orange. And then you're just in a green beer. I'm sure there's orange beer out there. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, orange, orange Guinness. Beautiful. Boom. Um, so it's, it's just an awesome tradition for sure in this area, talking about St. Patrick's Day. And I actually got to cover the parade mm-hmm. for the first time ever this year. 
uh, happened to be on my birthday. It was a was a very busy and very special birthday celebrating St. Patrick's Day. A few days early, of course, because it's always March 17th. But Maria Soden and I were out getting some interviews and, and having a lot of fun out there catching some uh, some great stuff out along the streets of Pope Avenue and whatnot in the uh, on the south end of Hilton Head Island. Really, really good time. Really great time. I'm assuming you've been to those parades more than once. I've had that cover, baby. That's a fun cover. It is a fun cover. I just remember when I covered it, uh, everyone was so much more excited about the horses than any of like you know the people who I think deserve. You know, we had service members, obviously, we had politicians, and then everybody stand up. Here come the horses. So, you know, I think that's a that's a good way to kind of wrap things up. I want to thank everybody on the WHHI crew for helping make what we do just so great. The football season was was great, and again, Daniel and I will have a little bit more coverage from afar in studio on that. Kevin, you and I will be doing basketball here before too long. It's just such a blessing to work with such great people and uh, to be able to produce this show as well for uh, for you folks and uh, appreciate everything that you do uh, for that as well, Kev, and uh, that, that'll about do it. We're a team, baby. It sure is fun to have fun. I'm, I'm glad I get to share it with you. Couldn't have said it better myself. For Daniel Court, Larry Giacomot, Tyler Brown, TBMM Productions, and Kevin Libby, I'm Marcus Walsh. Thanks for tuning in as we have just saluted you and yours. On this edition of the Marcus Walsh Show, we've got another one coming up soon. Hang on, everybody. And so long for now. But watch out for the sunrise. I come alive in the night, live in the night, live in the night. So don't get caught in the light, caught in the light. Don't get caught in the light. I come alive in the night, live in the night, live in the night. So don't get caught in the light, caught in the light. Don't get caught in the Let's get so lost, let's get so lost, talking so